This is Jackson Peterson, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Humboldt, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Shower activity in the western and southern parts of the winter wheat growing areas will lead to small pockets of topsoil improvement. World Weather Incorporated scattered rain and snow is expected in Colorado, Kansas, and Nebraska, while scattered rain and thunderstorms are expected further south. A dusting to three inches of snow is expected later this week across the northern plains. Scattered showers and thunderstorms will continue to slow harvest and delay second crop corn planting across much of central Brazil. World Weather Incorporated says much of Brazil and Paraguay <clears throat> will receive enough rain during the next two weeks to slow field work while maintaining or improving crop conditions. Regular rounds of rain are expected to begin Tuesday and continue through March 23rd for much of Argentina with one to two inches of rain expected. World Weather says the rainfall in Argentina should be enough to improve crop conditions, but more follow-up rain will be needed. Economic uncertainty has the grain market mixed, but North Star Commodity Chief Analyst Mark Schultz says grain market fundamentals have not changed and remain strong. If you look overseas, you've got European uh, wheat trading about 12 to 15 higher, and you've got uh, European corn trading about 10 to 12 cents higher. So you got a little bit of strength in the overseas markets, and that's so far has been good to see. Schultz likes the strength in the wheat complex. Obviously on the wheat, you had the big sell-off as it goes in here uh, over the last uh, 14 to 20 days. So uh, you can get some bounces back here. Now how much we can do remains to be seen. But I, I wouldn't rule out that we couldn't go back to 7, 27, 30 on your uh, Chicago wheat. I wouldn't rule out that you go back and visit 880 on the Minneapolis wheat. Things like that I think are certainly a possibility. Grain markets have turned choppy and sideways after opening softer. Lowen and Associates market analyst Matt Hines says economic uncertainty has been the big driver. I think everything's kind of holding on, looking for some direction, and there's not a whole lot of really ag-specific news out there this morning. You know, really, I think probably the biggest headline ag-specific, uh, you know, of course, continued uh, everybody's continued to look at Argentina and Brazil's crops. Um, you know, private estimates continue to go lower for Argentina's corn and bean crops, and and then we'll just see how it plays out with negotiations. Uh, sounds like Russia's in Geneva here today, and see if they can uh, uh, come to an agreement on extending a safe shipping corridor in the Black Sea. USDA's weekly export inspections report for the week ending March 9th shows corn inspections of 999,000 metric tons. That's 7% more than the previous week, but 13% less than the same week last year. Soybean inspections of 619,000 tons are 12% more than the previous week, but 23% less than last year. Wheat inspections of 249,000 tons are 27% less than the previous week and 19% less than a year ago. For the marketing year, corn inspections are down 37% from last year. Soybean inspections are 2% ahead of last year and wheat inspections are 2% less than a year ago. While land values continue to increase, Farm Business Network Chief Economist Kevin McNew says farmers looking to purchase farmland greatly outweighs those wanting to sell. 
So what we heard from our farmers through a really kind of unique poll where we got 4,000 farmers at FBN to kind of tell us about their intentions on farmland was some pretty insightful stuff. First of all, 38% of farmers in the U.S. are trying to buy farmland right now. You know, regardless of how high prices are or how high interest rates are, they're still trying to actively buy. On the other side of that coin, we only saw 2% of farmers saying they want to sell farmland. So that big divide between the 38% that want to buy and the 2% that want to sell, that still keeps demand really, really strong for people buying farmland. Higher interest rates do not seem to have much of an impact on demand. McNew expects farmland value to continue to increase in 2023. The other thing that's going on is interest rates still need to move higher, but they're not high enough to curtail the growth in farmland values. So I think farmland values in 23 will go up more, maybe not as much as they've seen the growth in 22 and 21, but they're still going to be growing because of what I would call realist or real uh, interest rates that are kind of uh, pretty low. So I think there's still demand for farmland values to go up. University of Minnesota is buying land in Mauer County for its Future of Advanced Agricultural Research Minnesota Center. The farm complex will allow the College of Food and Agriculture and Natural Resource Sciences to evaluate technological farming advances. Construction for the site in southern Minnesota begins in 2026. Minnesota Soybean Growers Association President Bob Worth says this is what grassroots is all about at this year's Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. I mean, this is an important time for all farmers to Commodity Classic because here's where we set our resolutions that we take to Washington, D.C. to make sure that all farmers across the whole United States are on the same page going in one direction. That's so important. And so this is this is grassroots. I mean, all the states get together, have their resolutions already brought forward. So now we are uh, getting them all in place so all the states can vote on them. So this is uh, just really a, a great time. And that's what ASA and MSG, all the states, this is what this is all about. Conservation, water quality, and having disaster programs in place were top of mind for Minnesota soybean growers. We really put a lot of effort in federal crop. You know, we like to see maybe get rid of the ad hoc uh, disaster part and have a provision in the federal crop insurance that the farmers pay for that they know is going to be there if they have a disaster instead of waiting for the president or Congress to get funding for it. And then they can get it a lot quicker. I mean, it's, it'll be just like federal crop insurance. You'll be able to get the money a lot quicker. We'll see if it's going to go through. I mean, we've had some pushback already. And we got a lot of issues on conservation, water quality, all the stuff that's so important to us in Minnesota. Reporting agriculture's business. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Corn acreage in the Northern Plains is expected to be up this spring. Channel technical agronomist Derek Crompton says the weather delays influenced the acreage mix this year. There was a lot of great intentions last year and that big snowfall in March kind of put the kibosh to a lot of those acres. So it looks like it's going to be a, a fairly normal spring thaw and I think there's a a big plan for a lot of acres. Essentially, we're sold out of most of our early day corn products in North Dakota. So I think it's not going to be another third, but I think it's going to be a third bigger than last year. 
Weed control is part of the planning process. In our footprint, I think really, you know, probably the, the two big animals um, in the chemistry world are probably obviously water hemp in the valley. And then as you move west in western North Dakota, it's kosher. And, you know, really when it comes to traits and soybeans, that dicamba early on really has been the ticket to having some really good weed control. So I think that's the flair we're seeing. Guys are willing to stick with dicamba to knock down those tough weeds, but they're looking for an early application. RCAF USA CEO Bill Bullard says the new product of the USA labeling proposition won't have much of an impact on consumers or the beef industry. It's going to have minimal impacts, and that's because this is a purely voluntary labeling regime. It doesn't require anyone to label anything, and it only speaks to the labeling of a product uh, that is eligible for the USA label, and that product has to be born, raised, slaughtered and processed in the United States. And so only if a meat packer desires to affix a label on a product so that the retailer could sell it with the label, will there be any labels? And obviously, if, if that were um, profitable for the meat packers, they would have done it a long time ago and supported mandatory country boards and labeling. Bullard thinks smaller meat processors, though, will utilize that label. Well, I think this will be most beneficial to local and regional packers, you know, that know where they're sourcing their cattle, and uh, that would be easier for them, and uh, it would provide them an opportunity to build a market niche with that USA label, because obviously uh, consumers would prefer that product, and we did a, a poll recently, and they found that uh, in polling over 2,000 registered voters that 86% support the, the country of origin labeling on beef. So consumers want to know where their food is from, it's just extremely unfortunate uh, that the meatpacking industry and uh, the conventional trade organizations have been fighting against the consumer's right to know where their food is from. The American Farm Bureau Federation and CNH industrial brands, Case IH in New Holland, have signed a memorandum of understanding that provides farmers and ranchers the right to repair their own farm equipment. The MOU follows a similar agreement AFBF entered into with John Deere earlier this year. Getting the planter ready for the field is top of mind for farmers. Precision Planting Region Manager Brent Horner says, has a few checkpoints. We usually start you know, talking about the bar itself, make sure it can carry the row units, then move into the row units and really just think about how we create the furrow, how we place the seed and how we close it up and just follow it all the way through with you know, disc openers to our seed tube guard, all the way back to our closing wheels and everything in between. The sprayer is another tool that is often overlooked in the spring. Uh, a lot of what we've shown and talked about here in the last couple of years and throughout winter conferences are entry into the sprayer market. Uh, looking at that as the next tool that needs some agronomic help and where we can really help growers be more efficient and more productive. So uh, we, we talked through and, and we released Reclaim, which is a recirculation system. Uh, so we can put that on your sprayer and instead of you uh, priming and pushing product back onto the ground or when you need to flush, you're pushing out product, we can actually recirculate that back to the tank. So make priming faster, make cleaning and uh, flushing a lot faster and also save some of that chemical because we can flush back with air. There have been some recent changes in the landscape for hybrid wheat production in the United States. Westbred Cereals Account Management lead Jeff Koselny stresses Bayer is moving forward. We know it's going to be a long uh, commitment, uh, a very um, laborious process um, to make sure that we deliver um, the products that can take it to that next level. 
A methodical approach is being taken for Bayer's move to hybrid wheat. Uh, a lot of dynamics, obviously, um, you know, in that. But we're looking at the, the latter part of this decade um, to deliver our first products to market. And, uh, you know, we're taking a slow, methodical approach. We're comparing it to our elite genetics as far as varieties um, to make sure that we bring that advantage to the farmer. Uh, and then they get good value and they purchase our hybrids. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The U.S. potato industry recently released an assessment of the value of the potato industry to the U.S. economy. National Potato Council CEO Cam Quarles says the economic impact of the potato industry is staggering. Very impressive top line numbers. $100 billion a year is generated by the overall potato supply chain. Uh, $10 billion at the farm gate level and then an, uh, an additional 90 billion in aggregate as you move up the chain from uh, processing, wholesaling and then uh, selling potatoes at retail or the institutional buyers, those, those type of activities. Quarles says 34 billion in wages are paid each year in the potato industry. 714,000 uh, employees across the country that in some way depend on the potato industry for their for their jobs. So very impressive. Uh, I, I think it um, for a lot of us in the industry, the um, we knew the industry was big, we knew it was significant, but really putting numbers to these activities was was quite it was eye opening for us and I think quite impressive. Um, hopefully for Capitol Hill and the administration. We think it justifies a lot of the investments they're going to make in the potato industry and American agriculture in general as we're writing a new farm bill. The National Pork Producers Council is urging quick passage of the Beagle Brigade Act of 2023. The legislation provides congressional authority to USDA's National Detector Dog Training Center. The dogs serve as the first line of defense in keeping foreign animal diseases like African swine fever out of the U.S. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. We're seeing uh, May wheat in Minneapolis up seven and three quarter cents, eight thirty-two and a quarter. July is up six and a half. Chicago May wheat four and a half higher. Kansas City's two and a half higher. May corn down three and a half cents at six thirteen and three quarters. December down three quarters of a penny at five fifty-seven. May soybeans down 13 cents at 14.94. November soybeans are 16 and three quarters cents lower at 13.40 and three quarters. May canola in Winnipeg down eight dollars and sixty cents a metric ton. April live cattle down 77 cents. April feeder cattle down 92 cents. And April hogs down a dollar five. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.